Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, and we hope that you are encouraged by today's message. How's everybody doing today? Anybody tired this morning? <laughs> Anybody not tired this morning? Okay, yeah, I got, I got a liar and everybody else. All right, that's great. Hey, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2017. We're so glad that you're here. If I didn't see you last week, Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm going to be wishing people Merry Christmas that I didn't see for a couple more months because, as I stated, for uh, several weeks in a row, I love Christmas. But I also love New Year's. It makes me sentimental. It makes me emotional. It makes me nostalgic. I think back. I think forward. I reflect. I project. Like, I am all about New Year's. And, and, and I love it. And, and I love, you know, making resolutions and writing out lists. I'm a list guy. Anybody else a list person? Like, you just like to make lists. You like to check things off lists, cross things off lists. Sometimes the first thing on my list is make a list of the things that I need to do. And then when I get to the bottom, I cross that one off. Made my list. All right, right? So I love the idea that at New Year's, I get to make a list. I get to make a list of the things that I want to accomplish, the things that I want to see done, the things that I want to try to do differently this year. Uh, and so I love that idea that we all get a clean slate. We all get to start over. And, and, and I don't know how many of you know this, but I love to write. Several years ago, I wrote a book. I, I blog pretty regularly or write different things. I like to try to create content that helps me to process some of the things that are going on in my life or that I'm experiencing. But I also like to create content that I believe will help other people. And so this last week, I wrote a, an article on my, on my blog where I talked about the number one way to succeed in the new year. Number one way to succeed in the new year. And I'll, I'll admit it was a little more self-helpy than, than most of the things that I write. But when I was writing it, I was thinking about, you know, all these lists that we make. Did anybody go to the gym already this morning? Nobody? Trevor is also a liar. Again, um, no, we, what, what do we do? Most of our New Year's resolutions are repeats of resolutions that we've made last year and didn't accomplish, or maybe for the last 10 years and didn't accomplish. We want to usually some version of these things. We want to lose weight, exercise more, save more money, uh, you know, spend more time with friends and family, attend church a little more regularly, you know, those kind of things. Maybe not all of those things for you. Maybe it's about job promotion or starting the new business or, you know, whatever, some other habits, some other things that you're trying to do in your life. But it's usually some combination of those types of things. And so I was thinking, man, I have a lot of resolutions or goals that I make a lot. Um, every single year, it seems like that there are a few of those same things on the list every single time. And so I was trying to think, like, how can I be more successful in 2017? So you can go read that article if you want to. That's not the point today. But as I was thinking about that article and then even reading that a little bit as I was writing it, I was thinking about our time together today. And even as we just prayed a few minutes ago, we're starting a brand new year, like Literally, this year is just a few hours old, and we get to come together and, and worship and kind of focus our attention on the Lord for just a few minutes as we start this year. And so I thought, like, where should we go in God's Word? What is it that we should do? And instead of trying to find one specific story that captures all of these things, I thought, like, what should we focus our attention on in this time to help us to focus our attention in this entire year to be the kind of people that God wants us to be and to accomplish the kinds of things in this new year that maybe God wants us to accomplish. And, and you know, I was trying to think, like, how can I even put these things together? And so I came up with a list that I'm going to share with you today of 2017 things that you need to focus on in 20—I'm just kidding. There's not 2,000—some of you are so tired, you were like, okay, that's, 
mind-numbing, but maybe it'll put me to sleep. No, I, I whittled the list down from, from 2017 things in 2017 to four things. Four things that I think we need to focus on in 2017 that I believe if we were to focus on these things, and there's a lot of other things that you could be doing and a lot of other things that I'm sure you will be paying attention to, but I believe if we focus on these four things that at the end of 2017, you're going to look back and go, wow, this was perhaps the greatest year of my life. If not the greatest, it was, it was up there with the other great years that I've lived because I believe that these four things, and I'm, I don't want to overstate it, I believe that these four things literally could change your life. I believe that they could shape your life into being and living the kind of year that God desires for you to live in this upcoming year. And so if you got a, you got a phone that you want to just kind of take some notes, feel free to do that. If you want to write it down, stick it in your Bible, put this somewhere that you'll remember it, uh, feel free to do that because I want us to just kind of look at these four things specifically today that I believe will set us up to live an incredible year in 2017. The first thing that I think we need to do is spend more time with God. Spend more time with God. Now, I realize that's the most cliche thing that a pastor could tell you to do. But I don't care. I'm going to tell you to do it anyway. Because I believe for me personally, take my pastor hat off for a minute and just put on my just Jeremy, human being, child of God kind of created being that God put on this earth, I believe that the number one thing that I could do this year to make my life the kind of life that God desires it to be is to spend more time with God. And I think for you this, this year, if you were to spend more time with God, and that could be a lot of different things. We're going to talk about what even time means to us in a minute. If you were to spend more time with God this year, I believe it would change your life. If you spent more time with God in 2017 than you spent in 2016, I believe 2017 would be a better year for you. Because what that means to us is that even if bad things are happening in your life, even if things aren't going in the way that you desired them to be, you are spending time talking to the only person that can actually affect change in your life. You're spending time talking to the person, listening to the person that can actually help you to process what you're actually walking through. And that doesn't negate spending time with other people, talking to other people about what you're experiencing. But I believe if you spend more time with God, it will change your life. Pastor Chris Hodges, who pastors over in the Birmingham area, he tweeted this yesterday. I'd already put this message together, but he tweeted this yesterday, and I thought it was very appropriate for this. He said, 2017 will be the best year of your life if it's the best year spiritually. 2017 will be the best year of your life if it's the best year spiritually. If you think about that, 2017 may not be the best year of your life if you lose more weight than you've ever lost. Because the reality is, if you lose more weight in 2017, you're probably going to find it in 2018. That's just how it works, right? For most of us, right? But it's not about losing weight. It's not about saving money. It's not about getting the promotion. All of those things are good. I hope all of those things happen for you if that's what you desire. But if 2017 is the most spiritually significant time in your life. I believe 2017 will be the best time in your life because you are spending time with God. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and 23 tell us this really amazing thing in the life of Jesus. It says this, immediately after some ministry had taken place, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. Now, I think we see several things. Jesus, obviously, being the Son of God, who he claimed to be, does a lot of things in his life on earth and in his ministry on earth that you and I should emulate. We should, we should copy, and so I see that. But, 
there was something specific in this passage. He had been giving of himself. He had been doing ministry. People had been around. There were crowds of people. And so what he did is he sent away his disciples. He dismissed the crowd. And then he went and got away by himself to spend time with his father. And if Jesus, who was 100% God and 100% human, if he felt the need, if he had a need to get away and spend time with the Father, then you and I, for sure, who are not 100% God, need to make sure that we are getting alone and spending time with the Father. And I know we're all busy. And I know there's a lot of things pulling for your time and pulling for your attention, but I promise you, if you will set a dedicated time aside to spend time with God, I believe it will be the best year you've ever lived. And so there's a lot of resources that you can use. Maybe you need, a, you need to go to the Christian bookstore today, or you need to get on Amazon, and you need to find you like a read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year or a topical series or study about something that's going on in your life. Whatever resource you need to find, that's fine. If you've got your phone or a device, you go to your computer, you can go to the, the Bible app, you can go to all kinds. He reads truth, she reads truth. There's a ton of great apps that Corey and I use that you can go to, and they have these Bible reading plans. You can just pick like a book of the Bible, And you can read through that book of the Bible for a month or sometimes a week, depending on if it's a smaller uh, book. You can read through it in a year. You can take a whole year and study one book of the Bible. And some of the books need a whole year to study. Or you can read different uh, studies that will help you to process as much of God's Word in in a specific time as you can. And here's what I would say to you. Okay, so make sure you hear this. If you schedule time and you say, okay, I'm going to read for five minutes a day or I'm going to read whatever my little plan says every single day, and you miss a day, God is not disappointed in you. right? God is not angry with you. Like I know people who will spend hours at night like going back and reading 37 weeks of the Bible because they've forgotten like, that's great. If you want to read like 18 books of the Bible in one sitting because you've got, you're trying to catch up, that's awesome. More power to you. But I don't want you to feel like there's this guilt and condemnation, right? The closest thing that I can equate to a relationship with God and spending time with God is my relationship with my wife, as far as the earthly relationship. There's a lot of imagery in Scripture that talks about the bridegroom and Christ and talks about the husbands and wives and the mystery of God in the church and all those things. So there's imagery there. So the closest thing I can equate it to is spending time with my wife. And if I called my wife and said, hey, I want to I do a date night tonight. Like, I, let's get a babysitter. Let's go out. Let's go to dinner. Let's go to a movie. You know, whatever. Let, whatever we got to do, we're spending time together tonight. Right? And then let's just say something comes up. One of the kids gets sick. She's not here this morning. One of our kids isn't feeling well. So let's just say one of the kids gets sick. So we don't want, want, don't want to bring a babysitter into that environment where the kids are sick or something's happening. And, and we have to cancel. Now, obviously, what I want to do is then tomorrow night, I want to make up for that time. I want to try to spend time with my wife. So that's great. But if I can't do it tomorrow, that doesn't mean we have to go to two dinners and two movies on Tuesday. You understand what I'm saying? I just set aside time to go ahead and spend time with my wife, not to necessarily make up for when I've missed, but to ensure that I'm spending time with my wife. And so we say, okay, well, then Tuesday night, we're going to go to dinner we're going to go to a movie, not, not two movies and not two dinners and not three movies and three dinners because we've missed three date nights. We're just going to spend time together. That, that's what we're talking about with God, setting aside time, spending time with him, investing in the relationship that you have with God and that he desires to have with you. Because if you spend time with God, I believe 
that God will spend time with you. That's really profound, I know. If you will spend time with God, God will spend time with you. It's a two-sided relationship. It's a two-way conversation. Prayer is not you yelling everything to God that you want him to hear. He already knows. Prayer is you talking to God and listening to God. Reading the Bible is not just learning new knowledge in your head. It's coming to understand someone that desires to have a relationship with you and understanding how he has interacted with human beings before and what that might tell you about the way that he desires to interact with you. And here's the other thing that I would say to you about spending time with God. Set reasonable expectations for yourself. Now, here, here's, here's what I mean by that. If, if, you, if you haven't really read the Bible, I'm going to be very gracious here, in a month, don't say, you know what, to 2017, I'm going to read the Bible an hour a day. Because I promise you, you will fail. You will fail. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be realistic here. If you have not set a pattern of spending time in God's word, then don't set an unreasonable expectation for yourself that you cannot sustain. God would rather you go from zero minutes a day to two minutes a day than zero minutes to one hour a day and not again for the rest of the year. Set a realistic expectation for yourself that says, okay, I want to start by reading a chapter a day. I want to start by reading three minutes a day, five minutes a day, and then begin to build on that as you more and more understand the, the rhythm and the pace of reading. And don't be afraid to go back and read something you've already read because you maybe didn't understand it or even it was something that was enjoyable and you're asking God to speak to you. If you, if you don't pray except for when you're in trouble, don't say, well, you know what, then I'm going to pray for 30 minutes every single day. You're, you're probably going to fail at that. You're, you're, you're probably not going to be able to sustain that. So set a realistic expectation that says, you know what I'm going to do every single day before I check Facebook or Twitter or check my email or whatever, I'm just going to spend three or four minutes every morning and I'm going to open up the Bible. I'm going to open up my Bible reading plan. I'm going to read a couple of the verses of the day. I'm going to read a chapter. I'm going to read you know, two, three verses, whatever it is that my reading plan calls for. And then I'm just going to talk to God. I'm going to ask him to help me today. I'm going to thank him for the things he did yesterday. I'm going to present some needs to him. Whatever it is that you feel like you can do, because I promise you that is something that God desires to do with you. So don't set unrealistic expectations for yourself. Set some expectations and some goals for yourself that you believe you can sustain. And if you miss a day or you miss two or you miss three, don't feel like you got to jump way back and catch every, just, just the next morning, wake up the next night. Find a time that works for you. Some people are morning people. In our house, I, I are the morning people. There aren't many others in our house that are like that. Cooper, my son, is a little bit of a morning person. Everybody else could stay up till 2 a.m. and sleep till 2 p.m. That's kind of their deal. They catch a good rhythm about 10 or 11 every night, and they're ready to stay up. Not me. 10 or 11, I would really like to already be asleep. That's just kind of my, my deal. So there's different rhythms in our house. So I like to get up in the morning and spend time with God then. My wife likes to do that later in the evening. Find a time that works for you. Spend time with God. If you spend time with God this year, I believe that it could be the best year of your life. The second thing is this. You need to trust God more. I believe if you're going to focus on some things this year to make it the best year you've ever lived, you need to spend time with God more, and you also need to trust God more. 
If you've attended here for any length of time at all, you've probably heard me say something like this, usually related to a moment where we are offering an opportunity for people to receive salvation. And I'll say something like, you know, you're asking God to be your Savior. You're asking God to forgive your sins and be the Savior of your life. But God also wants to be the Lord of your life, to lead and guide and direct you. If you've attended here for any length of time, you've probably heard me say something around that phrase because that's something that I talk about a good bit. God is, is incredible in that he forgives our sins. He forgives our sins. The Bible tells us that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. When we've done something wrong, when we have, we have separated ourselves from God through the acts of our lives and the behavior of our lives, or even through just our sinful nature that we, we had from birth, God forgives us. He, he saves us, and that's incredible. But God also desires to be the Lord of our life. He desires to give us direction, to lead us in the way that we should go. And who better to allow us, to, to, to lead us, than the one who's writing our story? The one who is orchestrating the entire story of all of humanity, including us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a very famous passage of Scripture. It's one that my grandmother quoted all of her life, even still today, she had my dad memorize it. My dad had me to memorize it. But it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Maybe the greatest thing that you could do in 2017 is quit trying to make sense of it all, quit trying to write your own story, quit trying to piece all the details where you think they should go, and just trust God for the direction of your life. And when you hear from God, when you are impressed of God, when you feel this sense that this is what God is saying, this is what God is doing, this is where God is leading, follow him. Take a step. Trust him. Believe that this is what God desires and move in that direction. Use wisdom, use discernment. Ask people around you, do you think this is what God might be saying to me? This doesn't seem like God. Is this something God would do? Is this something God would say? And use that wisdom, but ultimately trust the voice of God in your life. If you're spending time with God, number one, you will better hear the voice of God and you can trust God more. So the first thing is to spend more time with God. The second thing is to trust God more. Those two really are about you and God. The third one's a little different. I think that if we're to really make 2017 the best year that it possibly can be, we've got to focus on a couple of things. The third thing we need to do is we need to forgive more. We need to forgive more. We talked about spending more time with God. We talked about trusting God. All of those things are very, very important to our soul, to our soul care, to our spirit. I think this is right up there with those. We need to forgive more. We need to forgive people more. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22 say this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or 70 times seven times, some translations even record. It's not about the specific number. It's not saying, Jesus, okay, tell me, can I forgive him seven times and be done? And Jesus is like, no, you have to forgive them 77 times, but if they do 78 things, you can write them off. That's not the important factor here. What Jesus was trying to say is you need to just keep forgiving folks. You need to just continue forgiving people. 
And I realize in our, in our you know, frail human understanding of what this looks like, we go, well, yeah, but I can tell you right now, I can think of some hypothetical situations or I can think of some examples in my life where people, like, I just kept forgiving them and they kept abusing my forgiveness and they kept hurting me. And, they, and listen, I'm not saying be unwise. I'm not saying allow people just to walk all over you. But what I am saying is that you can be wise and still be forgiving. You can make sure that that person is not abusing you and not continuing to hurt you and cause you harm, but also not harbor bitterness in your life. It is possible, I promise. And so it's not about 77 times or 70 times seven. It's just saying be the kind of person who is continually forgiving people. And I think if you want this year to be all that you desire it to be, You need to be a forgiving person. You need to forgive more. After the passage that we just read where where Peter's talking to Jesus, Jesus tells a story. It's a story that many of you may may be familiar with, at least in theory, because it's it's a story that even kind of gets outside of faith, and it's used in a lot of other examples, even in our culture and other literature and other things. It's about a man who owes 10,000 gold pieces, and you can change that for any just kind of unattainable large amount of money or large amount of possessions. He owes 10,000 gold pieces. And so the king decides to call in all of his debts. So the king brings this man in. And he says, hey, you owe me 10,000 pieces of gold. I want you to pay your debt. And the man says, well, I can't. I don't have it right now. Can you give me some time? He's like, no, you owe it to me. I want it. And so until you can pay me back, we're going to take your wife and your kids and we're going to throw them in prison. And the man pleads with the king, please do not do this to my family. I promise you, I'll make it right. I I will pay you back everything that I owe you and more. Please don't do this. And the king has mercy on him and says, okay, you know what? Okay, I won't won't make you pay it right now. You keep paying it back, um, but we won't put him in jail. The man is so thankful. He walks out of the palace and he goes out into the street and he sees one of his servants. And the servant owes him $100. Hundred dollars is a lot, but in light of ten thousand, it's not as much. He owes him a hundred dollars. He walks up to the servant. He says, "Hey, you owe me a hundred dollars." I'm sure he's probably thinking, "If I can get this hundred and all the other hundreds that people owe me, and I can do a little overtime, and I can pay the king back." Hey, you owe me a hundred dollars. The man's like, "Man, I don't have the hundred dollars. I'm so sorry." The guy's like, "Well, listen, you, you've got to give me the hundred dollars." He's like, "No, I, I don't have it. Can you please forgive me? Give me some more time." He's like, "Nope." He was like, "Jailer, hey, will you come take this guy? Take him to jail until he can pay me back the hundred dollars." Well, the servants of the king see this story taking place and they get angry because they've just watched this man that owes 10,000 pieces of gold get mercy and walk out and not give mercy. So they tell the king and the king brings him back in and says, wait a minute, tell tell me what just happened. I heard that you were forgiven a $10,000 debt, at least when I was calling it due, and then you walked out and you wouldn't forgive somebody that owed you $100. He says, well, yeah, but I mean, I was trying to get the money back to pay you. He's like, no, 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 that's not important. And he takes the man and he throws him. He doesn't take his wife and kids and put him in prison anymore. The Bible tells us that he throws that man in prison to be tortured. The Bible says that this is the same that will happen to each of us if we don't forgive. Now, you can read a lot of things into this passage of Scripture. But here's what I would say to you. If you do not forgive the people that you need to forgive... I promise it tortures you more than it tortures them. It it hurts you more than it hurts them. And I know you can't even believe that because of what they did to you and what they said to you and how they treated you. And I know you're thinking, man, that's not even possible. Like, I know they are thinking about it. They did it on purpose. And man, 
most of the time, can I just be honest with you, they don't even know what they did. At least the severity that they did it. Most of the time, they don't even remember. Most of the time, they are not thinking about how bad they hurt you as you think about how bad they hurt you. It's torturing you. It's hurting you. And you're harboring bitterness and hurt and anger. And it's keeping you bound up in such a way that you are not able to be and do all that God wants you to be and do. And that relationship is poisoned and then other relationships are poisoned because now you you won't trust people. Now you won't get into relationship with people because of what somebody else did that probably doesn't even fully know what they did to you. So in 2017, what if you just set out and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forgive more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive $100 debts, and I'm going to forgive $10,000 debts. I'm going to forgive big things, and I'm going to forgive little things, because I want to be the kind of person that forgives more. And the passage that we just read tells us that there is a correlation in the forgiveness that we receive and the forgiveness that we give. So I would ask it to you this way. What if you could only receive as much forgiveness as you gave? What if in 2017 you could only receive as much forgiveness as you gave? Like when I, when I wrote that down, I immediately felt conviction. Conviction is this church word that says like God made me feel the weight of that. What if I could only receive as much forgiveness as I gave away? If I truly believed that that was the reality, I promise you I'd be the most forgiving person in the world. And I think you probably would too. Well, that's what the Bible tells us. That if we want to receive the forgiveness of God for our lives and the things that we have done, we must be forgiving people. We need to spend more time with God. We need to trust God more and we need to forgive more. And I would say this just lastly about forgiveness. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Give people the benefit of the doubt. This is one of the the pillars of our marriage. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't mean we're never frustrated with each other. It doesn't mean we're not we never fight or never argue or whatever. But to the very best of our ability, we are not assuming about the other person that they are intentionally trying to do harm to us. If Corey does something and I'm so frustrated, if I can hold on to this pillar of our marriage that we committed to 10, 12, 13, 15 years ago in our relationship that says what we're going to do is assume the best about each other. And if I make a mistake, if I do something, if I tell her I'll be home at 5 and I end up not getting home till 5.30, she doesn't assume that I'm trying to avoid time with her and the kids. She's assuming that something came up that I couldn't avoid Right, that I, I, I should have called or texted perhaps, but she's going to assume that maybe something came. I was on the phone and couldn't get away from that call to be able to call and tell her that I was late. And so we assume the best about one another. We give each other the benefit of the doubt and wherever possible we forgive when either of us has fallen short of the standard that we said we were going to set for one another. And I encourage you to do that in all of your relationships. So spend more time with God, trust God more, forgive more. And the fourth thing is this, pray big prayers. You want 2017 to be the best year you've ever lived? Spend more time with God, trust God more, forgive more than you've ever forgiven, and pray big prayers. In the book of Joshua, which is one of my favorite books, the book of Joshua, Joshua comes on the scene in Joshua chapter 1. He's the new leader of the children of Israel. 
Moses has died. He's no longer leading the people, and Joshua's going to lead them into the promised land. They're going to go in and inherit a land that they've never been to before. And so Joshua comes, and they go, and they eventually get to Jericho, and the walls fall down. You need to read that. It's incredible. In Joshua chapter 6, Jericho falls, and they go in, and they take you know, the, the enemies of God and destroy and, and do all that they were supposed to do. And then they go to this little town through a, a series of circumstances where they don't take the enemy serious enough, and then they eventually go back and do. They defeat the enemies there in the city of Ai. Well, when they defeat the city of Ai, it was kind of a stronghold. It was kind of a city where... The people of that land recognize, okay, there's a group of people now. They're taking Jericho. They just took Ai. Maybe they're coming for us. And there were five kings that decided to band together to try to defend themselves and defend their cities and their people. And so they, they band together and they decide, you know, the Gibeonites, they've made peace with the people of God. So we're going to go and attack the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites send word to Joshua and the children of Israel. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to come and help fight with us and for us against our enemies. And so Joshua and the people march all night long, the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 10. They march all night long, and they get to Gibeon, and they help to defeat the enemies of the people of God. And then not only do they defeat them in that place, then they chase after them. They pursue after them to defeat them and to completely annihilate them. And this is what we read in Joshua chapter 10, beginning in verse 12. It says, On the day that the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all of Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Now, I know sometimes when we read stories like this, we think, well, that was in the Bible. That kind of stuff doesn't happen today. But can I, can I challenge all of us today? The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It, it says to me that if God's ever done it, he can do it again. And maybe you've never seen him do something miraculous, but I know that there are people in this room, including myself, who have seen the miraculous. We've seen God do something that cannot be explained in human words or human understanding. And so what if in 2017, as a part of spending more time with God and trusting God more and forgiving people more, what if you just prayed bigger prayers? I know sometimes there's a tension in that because we think if we pray bigger prayers and God doesn't answer them, it might speak to our lack of faith. Or it might speak to something that's wrong with us because surely nothing would be wrong with God. Maybe we're praying wrong. Maybe we're asking for the wrong things. But what if we just trusted God enough to pray the biggest, boldest prayers that we could imagine. Mark Batterson is a pastor and an author, and he wrote a book called Circle Maker, which I highly recommend. It's incredible about prayer. But he says this. He doesn't call them big prayers. He calls them bold prayers, and he says this. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. I, I believe when God hears us praying a bold prayer, he thinks to himself, and maybe I'm making him more human and more like me than he should be. But I believe when he hears it, he goes, okay, yeah, that person really trusts me. That person's faith is strong enough to ask something that is crazy. Sun, stand still so we can defeat our enemies? Moon, stop where you're at so that the sun can oversee this battle? Like, I, I think, I, 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 here's what I want to tell you for me. 
2017. I want to pray prayers that get God's attention. Like again, maybe I'm making him more human and more like me than he actually is, but I want to pray prayers that God is like busy doing something else in heaven and I've lifted up a prayer over here and God's like, what did he just say? Can somebody roll that one back? I need to, what, what did Jeremy just ask for? He wants the sun to stop in the sky. He, 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 wants, he wants what sickness that medical science has said is uncurable. He, he wants that person healed. He, he wants to believe that marriages in Cherokee County, even though they're finding divorce at an alarming rate, like he, he wants to see them stay together and reconcile their differences. He wants to see sons and daughters who are far from God to come home and find life in Christ because moms and dads have been praying for them for years. And what, what, what is He wants to see a community change, not just because of Canton Church, but the other churches in this community that are believing God for big things. What, what, is, what did he just pray for? What, what is it that he said he was believing for? Like he just got my attention. I, God, am going to honor these bold prayers because those bold prayers honor me. You want 2017 to be different than 2016? Spend more time with God. Just just carve out time and prioritize time and get away from your guilty conscience that says, well, I, I, I missed a day or I didn't read enough or other people pray more than I do. No, no, no. Have an individual relationship with God where you spend time with him trust God more. Ask him to lead you and guide you and direct you in the ways that he desires you to go. And every time you hear him say go, go. And every time you hear him say stop, stop. Forgive people more. The reality is they probably don't even know they hurt you as bad as they did. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Forgive them and keep moving. And pray big prayers. Get God's attention because you have prayed some prayers that you know you can't accomplish on your own. What does that look like for you? Just, just right now where you're sitting, before we do anything else in this, in this moment, what could you ask God for this year that makes you a little bit nervous? What could you ask God for for 2017 that makes you a little bit nervous? Ask him for it. Do it. What could you ask God for in this moment? Makes you a little bit nervous. It's a big prayer. It's a bold prayer. Why not do it? Why not trust him? There's a lot of other things. I told you there was like 2017 things that I whittled down to these four. You could make sure that this year you don't let your failures define you. You could tell people what they mean to you before it's too late. You could be present in every moment. Just be present. Don't be distracted. Just be present. You could honor God with your finances to a greater degree than you've ever done before. You could speak life and potential into people that are just starving for somebody to see what they're actually worth. There's so many other things. But if you focus on spending time with God and trusting God and forgiving more and praying big prayers, I believe some of these other things would fall in line. You want 2017 to be better in 2016 and the years before, focus on these things. And let's watch God accomplish so much more in our lives than we ever thought possible. Let's pray.
God, I thank you today that you hear us when we pray. I thank you today, God, that you allow us on this first day of 2017 to gather together and to come into this place to sing songs to and about you, to worship you. God, to listen from your word to several different places of scripture where you challenge us and we see examples of things that we could emulate with our lives. And maybe we want to lose weight and we want to save more money and we want to spend more time with other friends and family, but God, I believe if we focus on these four things, if we spend more time with you, if we trust you more than we ever have, if we forgive people more, and we pray big prayers. I believe that you would be honored. And God, I believe that you will help us to accomplish greater things than we ever thought possible. I speak life right now to every person in this room. No matter what 2016 looked like, no matter what they failed at before, no matter what resolutions they've set and, and missed at. God, right now, I speak life into these people. I believe their best days are ahead of them. God, even so bold, if I could be prophetic to say that this could be the best year of their life. God, you want to do more in them. You're not through with them yet. You're not done with them yet. And the reason I know that is because they're still here. They're still kicking. So God, let this be their year. There's nothing special about a number. 2017 isn't any more special than 2016, except it's right in front of us. And I believe that you want to do great things right in front of us. God, accomplish it in and through us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.